The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. It was. It took me a little while to let my mind break the connection to Lederhosen and Oktoberfest with vicious blood-killing warriors. Right, right. Like, blood-killing? Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yes. As you can tell, my mind. It, it, sharp as a tag sharp today. instrument tonight. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast episode. I forgot to check before we started, so it's episode something. Uh, 188, maybe? I want to yeah, I don't I think it is 188. Something. Uh, okay, this is The Wise Man's Fear, part three, and I am Craig Hanks, your host. And over there, he wears out his welcome faster than a return to the university. It's Kyle Lemon. Okay. And like Shane, <laughs> he puts the age in Noble Savage. It's Ken Johnson. You ready to serve. And if he went through oh. the sword tree, he would come out with a stick of butter, a nine iron, and a live possum for personal reasons. It's Ryan Bruckman. I'm just impressed that I made it out of the tree, actually. <laughs> All right. So today the possum we are, begged him to stay. We are talking Wise Man's Fear Part 3. So this is, uh, for anybody keeping track, if for some odd, odd reason you've skipped ahead to this episode, we're doing everything after uh, Quoth heads off to Edemre. So that's where we are. We'll get to that stuff in just a moment, but first, a little bit of housekeeping. Patreon.com slash Legendarium is where you can go support the show. I uh, I was telling Ryan earlier, actually, I got uh, I just about had a heart attack when I got an email that said, so-and-so is a, a $20 patron, and I like my mind just blew. And then I got an email and he's like, oh, this is a kind of a one-time thing. I wanted to thank you for these episodes. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll turn it off after an episode mm-hmm. or two. Like, great. It's uh, amazing. And we appreciate the generosity. I just do want to point out to anybody who doesn't know, we do have, uh, what's that thing called? PayPal. PayPal. We do have PayPal. We even mm-hmm. have Venmo. Yeah. And so if you do feel like uh, you just want to thank us for a particular episode or a particular series or something and you don't, don't want to do the ongoing thing, that's fine. Uh, you can do that as well. Uh, the Legendarium Podcast at gmail.com is where we've signed up for other services, and so you can find us that way. Uh, anyway, the other thing I'll mention, Reddit, the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can join the conversation, and I hope you do so. I posted something recently that we are nearly at a 1,000 uh, Redditors mm-hmm. on there, so I hope that you'll join us there and push us over that 1,000 mark. I feel like then we'll... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a real boy. It's good conversation <laughs> lately too. It'd be great. Oh yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. Um, so thank you for everybody, uh, to everybody for participating in there. And, uh, let's see, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, what's the other one called? Insta- uh, Instagram. 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 You can find us on Instagram. Just search the legendary on all these and you can find it. Which apparently is extremely popular with the kids these days. That's great. That's what yeah. I hear. Instagram. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's so, funny thing is that uh our our listener base you know according to the googs is uh, tom gugliotta tom gugliotta <laughs> okay is like 70 to 80 percent male now this makes sense to me i mean the you know the fantasy sci-fi genres uh, tend to attract uh you know that that sort of ratio but i've yeah. always kind of wanted to do what i could to uh to invite 
female listeners and you know and reach out to them so i i'm like all right i'll join instagram great and um uh, so I joined Instagram, which is apparently, according to the Googs, it's kind of the opposite where uh, among Instagram, all Instagram followers, it's kind of the opposite. It's like 70% women, 30% men. So I'm like, great. And then I looked at our statistics of our followers. Sure enough, 75% for 75% male on Instagram. Naturally. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Three guys out of four makes. You know. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, gosh, I can't think of any other throat clearing that I need to do at the moment. So maybe we ought to move on. Today we're talking about the wise man's fear. Uh, like I said, so we've we've gone to Ademre. This is my version of the uh, the recap, by the way. We've gone to Ademre where Quoth is going to learn how to uh, fight like a woman, uh, which in this case means yes. very, very well. Um and then when he leaves Ademre, he saves a couple of girls from fake troopers who are real rapists. Um, and that was great. And then he goes back to Ventus, where he is then kicked out of Ventus because the mayor's wife uh, doesn't much Mind's appreciate the Be fact that he's a Demaru. Because he loses his temper. I'm sure there's no more to that story. So he just leaves and will never have to hear about it again. Right. Wink, wink. Uh, then he returns to the university, uh, works with Elodin some more, professes his love to Denna, and in the frame story, we find out that Bast has hired a couple of thugs to rob Coat, hoping that it will awaken his sleeping mind or whatever it is that we're working on there. So that's what's happened. If you just needed a little refresher, if it's been a little while since you read, have I? did I miss any significant episodes that you guys can think of? Not event-wise. No. Yeah. There's a yeah. few things I think that are, we'll, we'll talk about details. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's... So let's start with first things first. When we begin this, he uh, he kind of leaves his uh, band of merry tracker men and woman. And he, he leaves the quest. Heads, Yeah, heads off to Ademre with... What's that guy's name? Tempe. Tempe. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he is given a teacher and proceeds to get his butt whipped over the course of two months. Mm -hmm. In which time he becomes, I don't know, at least like a red belt, maybe. <laughs> Depending on which form of martial arts you want to go with, sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's start with that. Uh, Ryan, I want to kick it to you first. Thoughts on Ademre, just in general, and then we can get into the specific stuff. Um, I really, I, this is a common trope in, in fiction, uh, this secluded people. I mean, we just did the Wheel of Time, and you and I talked before. Like, this is the Aiel. Yep. This is he the... heads into the waste, which is in the mountains this time. Yeah, this time. And if you listen to the audiobook, apparently it's in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Hawking is their overlord because their accent is all Stephen Hawking. So I uh, don't know. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I will tell you. I'm sure that there's got to be a history of you know ferocity and warlord things but we don't see that much in media for for the swiss right 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 and um, except the swiss guard maybe yeah and so it was it it was it took me a little while to let my mind break the connection to leader hosen and oktoberfest <laughs> with vicious blood killing warriors right like, right blood killing nice yeah. i like that yes as you can tell my mind it's sharp, as a sharp instrument tonight um i i will say i don't think i've maybe we've brushed over this uh in previous episodes but i love nick podell's narration he's mm -hmm. really good um 
But his voice. But this one, this, this accent was just it. It yeah. really made me scratch my head, and I wondered if um, I, I was tweeting with um, oh, who narrates the Wheel of Time? Michael Kramer. Michael Kramer. Kate Redding. Kate I was, Redding. I was uh, I was tweeting back and forth with her a little while ago, and uh, and she said something about always name pre-read. Just, just gloss over no, that for a second. Always, here. she says. She says always. Oh, she might have been tweeting with somebody else. Actually, now that I think about it. Um, anyway. <laughs> I, I was talking to my close personal reading friend, a Twitter Kate thread. No, no, no. I was, uh, I, 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 and direct messaging. <laughs> I did tweet with her a little bit, but I think this might have been a different thread. Anyway, she was talking about always pre-read. Somebody maybe asking for advice or something like that. Always pre-read. And it made me wonder now if Nick Podell did not pre-read. Uh, if he Maybe he only pre-read chapter by chapter. And so he gets to Tempe in the forest and uh and he's like oh this guy he's super quiet and he can't really speak it well i'll give him a weird accent so that it, you know so you can kind of buy it and then he gets to it damn right and he's like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do i do now uh and oh well i guess i gotta lean into this well i'm always curious because if you uh, a few of the people i've spoken to who've done audiobook narration who do that sort of thing a lot of times the author will give you some name drop ryan i'm, I'm not going to name drop <laughs> they're not they're not national known um but they talk about how an author will give them information about a character or race or things like that so that you know this is where i pulled this from and you can mm-hmm. kind of try and craft appropriately um and also along with the pronunciation guide of things like this is the way i want it said you know that's uh when sanderson does his he provides him with a, an, like a pronunciation guide yeah. which he doesn't put in his books for whatever reason but yeah. yeah this one nice? this one sounds like he gets to Tempe and he starts typing out the dialogue with Mavis Beacon speaks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we are stuck with. Okay, so I feel like we've gone pretty far afield. I'm sorry about that. Uh the King of Tangents has uh has ruled again. Okay, Ryan, go on with whatever you were talking about before. Back to the thing, but the the culture, <laughs> the identity of this people that's it's it's different enough from the other groups that we've dealt with and I've always I have appreciated very much the fact that Rothfuss has made unique cultures in the different areas that we've been to including the fae, um including mm-hmm. the mayor and his groupings. Like everyone's there you can tell that it's there's some depth and detail to that world whether or not you're reading about it there. This is no different, but it's extremely different ver- because of the way they approach from their very most basic mentality of who's in charge and what you know what is it that dictates your your moral code in life and it's their code which is the um Lithani. the lathani yeah. which when you first start hearing about it after a while then the word's like yeah okay i get it it's your code of conduct but it it takes you a while through this reading to finally kind of grasp a little bit more okay this is not just a when to punch when not to punch thing this is a full-on religion Life, it's religion. an entire yeah, yeah. point of view uh, this this encompasses everything dare we say it Ito. yeah yeah right i yeah. mean that's what it is mm-hmm. so um and and i i don't mean to like you said ryan this is a common trope um and so i don't mean to harp too much like oh you're ripped off the wheel of time i really i don't feel that strongly it's, about it but it is fun to yeah, point it out so it, it doesn't feel like a ripoff but it feels like just based on the fact that we've read so much in in the last few years we can see the commonalities between all of them because mm. i i saw the the adimbre and i thought oh it, it's aiel hand speak meets listener rhythms you know with their with their uh, emotions oh, from, uh, in their hand Stormlight. which is which is pretty neat i thought uh the way that that your face remains completely passive but you uh you 
show your emotion based on on your hand. There's uh, hand there's gestures. absolutely nothing wrong with reusing a a concept like this when you make it your own and you give them unique details, which like the hand speak, like yeah. those things, like and I think and I appreciate that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to tell any stories because you have seen this before. Right, exactly. right, before, oh, totally. So. Um, yeah, there's a difference between um, plagiarism and... Uh, Inspiration. Yeah, yeah. right. It, it's like watching a Tarantino movie. If you watch a Tarantino <laughs> movie and don't make allowances for uh, you know, homage, then you're going to hate every second of it. Yeah. So. And I, I wanted to say, I, I wanted to give credit to Rothfuss for the way that he wrote the the Ademre or the, the, the Adem. Thank you. Uh, because we've been kind of critical on him is like, and then Dennis shows up and she's boring and then this, and then this, and, and we've kind of been nitpicky, but I loved this entire section, the way he described it and the way he wrote it compelled me to, I was like every time that a little hand gesture went by and everything, I, I actually could see it in my head and like, I want to know what this hand gesture is. I want to see how this works. So he, he I thought that was a really brilliant well, yeah, section. One of the things that was really refreshing about this section is that, both is really outside of his depth and it actually mm -hmm. shows it here um he thinks that he's getting a handle on the language and then when he gets your know, perspective from from uh, vachette and she tells him like yeah you speak well for a barbarian but you really speak about the same as like a, a toddler a toddler right. you yeah. know so uh he's starting to get a little bit full of himself as he's getting confidence and then just the way that he gets put down each time he makes a step, uh, it's super refreshing because we talked about him, uh, whether or not he's a Mary Sue or whatever, and he seems to just grasp everything that he does. Not not in a Demre. And yeah. we'll get that a little bit further on as well with the not language. What what was it called? I can't remember. Um, the not tying that is oh, the Yelish knots. The Yelish knots, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we do get a little bit of that where... Is he is he great shakes with languages? Sure, but yeah. some languages are just crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm I, wondering how much of that, how much of this is a planned piece, and how much of it was in response to criticisms of the first book to say, okay, we need to, I need to put both in a position where he's not so much the Mary Sue. He's not, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I can curb that a little bit, not by handicapping him entirely and saying he can't do something, mm -hmm. but by saying. Let me show you where he. Uh, let me put him in a place where he can't just be the best because he doesn't. His his normal rules don't work. Mm -hmm. So I I really did. I appreciated that as well. And I didn't feel like I felt like both. Even though he's still he's still a very unique situation here. He shouldn't even be being taught. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to do this to make up for Tempe's mistake. You know, well, we can't teach someone outside of a dem ray this, so we're going to make you a dem, and we think you have what it takes to do that, um, which is still putting him on a platform of saying that you're, yeah. you're unique and special. I was say, he ultimately still comes out of the experience in a unique way where he, you know, he uses the name of the wind, and he goes through the whole sword, sword tree exercise, and he brings back his hand full of blood, and they interpret it as silence and whatever else, and... And they're like, oh, he's just, he's like this legend already. He, he gets it. Eight, yeah. or in a Demre. And again, it's just both adding to his story, but uh, the journey didn't feel quite as much as he's just, oh, he's just automatically going to overcome each roadblock that he sees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, going to be a great 80s montage and he's going to come out <laughs> speaking hand talk and um, beating up little girls. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I I liked a lot about this section, but I didn't necessarily like everything about it. I personally felt like this was the weakest drawn culture that we've seen so far. Uh, now, we haven't seen a ton. We've seen the Edimaru. We've seen the University. Uh, Tarbian, I guess. Uh, and Vintus are kind of the places we've been. And now uh, Edemre as well. And, yeah. and I, I thought that this was maybe his weakest culture. And I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is. But I suspect that it's for the same reason that I really dislike reading Atlas Shrugged. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is when I read Atlas Shrugged, it's like, oh my gosh, my eyes are going to bleed with, with um, what would you call it, libertarian utopianism. And it's just uh, it's so ridiculous. And this would be that kind of on the other end of it where I felt like at every turn in a Demray, Patrick Rothfuss was, was giving me kind of a, a progressive utopia and it felt a little bit heavy-handed at times, well, and, is great. and I didn't love it. Um, so I I didn't love those portions where it's like, oh no, women are better fighters than men because of you know reasons. Or the one that really got me was um, uh, what was the thing? Oh, the eighty percent. Oh yeah. Like how much do they send back? Eighty percent. How long have they done this? Forever. Like no. So so nobody's ever gotten greedy. No, you know, nobody, this, this system just, no, because they're a damn just works, you know, anyway, so stuff like that. I, you know, I didn't, didn't love it, but that's just me being me. So take it as you will, I guess. It just felt a little bit like, uh, like Roth was kind of putting his own little things in there. Oh, here's how the world should work or something like that. I don't know. I, I took it sort of the same, but then I went, yeah, that wouldn't work. And I kind of moved on and said, okay, whatever. Well, I've, I guess my question would be, where does he state this is the way the world should work? Because I'm not disagreeing with those points, like that, that that's the way it's written. I just don't ever recall it being like, and Ademri is the height of the most amazing. Like, well, because what it feels like is, um, you know, the Pocahontas when John Smith comes and, and he has to unlearn everything about his own identity and his own culture in order to achieve some sort of enlightenment. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not that, uh, you know, in the story of Pocahontas, I, whatever the real story was, I don't know. But in the story of Pocahontas, it's not like John Smith had nothing to learn uh, from Pocahontas and, and the rest of the, the natives there. But it's not like he had nothing to teach either. And it's kind of presented as, okay, so here's Quoth. He's going to these uh, kind of this noble savage culture and he's going to learn how to actually be a decent human being. Um and, you know, it's presented in such a way where it's like he has nothing to teach them. He only has things to learn from them, if that makes sense. He is dances with swords. I can, I, what you're saying, I, I understand. I, I disagree with the reading that that's the way that it's posed there. The, the people wouldn't learn from him even when he tried to teach. That's being the difference, like a difference there, because when they talk about... And I don't want to talk about the man mother. I'm not talking being, about the. I'm not talking about the the people with a capital P necessarily. I'm talking about like his actual just relationships, like with what's her name, the the girl that that he ends up sleeping with, or Vachette. Um, you know, where these are one on one relationships, and it's completely one way, right? That yeah. is that is the way it's written. But that, what I'm saying is that even in those relationships, are the moments where when he does try and showcase something or teach something they won't listen 
it's as much them saying no that's ridiculous right as it is the it, it's not like they like that they take it and say oh that's cute or whatever and just dismiss it like i, I don't really know how to phrase that properly but anyway i do i read that differently i guess because <laughs> And, I, and I'm honestly, I'm probably coming on too strong just because I like to have things to talk about. <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily feel as strongly as what I'm putting out there. Um, it's just they were things that I noticed uh, that gave me little tweaks as I was reading. And so now I'm playing them up for fun. Um, anyway, so we can move on, I guess. I, I don't really care about it that much. But uh, if anybody else out there caught the same things maybe they would like to hear about it so i guess i i'm a little bit confused as to so you're saying that this is rothfuss's commentary on the way that the world should be or is this just the way that rothfuss has chosen to write this particular group of people um i i doubt i doubt you know it's kind of like um people like to say oh tolkien wishes the whole world was like the shire and that's not true he didn't Mm -hmm. think that way but it's still presented as like oh look at this wonderful harmonious society and when you actually stand back and look at it, you're like, oh, it would never work that way. Mm-hmm. Like that is utterly unrealistic on a social and political uh, level. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this one here where he's presenting it as, wouldn't this be nice? Wouldn't you like to live in a place like this uh, that had this kind of like structure and rules? And uh, See, I didn't get that vibe as far as like the presenting it as like this would be nice as just yeah. as like, this is how it is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I I mean, I get it. I I, I think that you could read it that way. I just I didn't even pick up on any of that, like being being told like this is a nice thing. It's just this is the way that their society. This is how it's built. And it was more of just Quoth having to fit in. And basically, to Ryan's point, the the Adam refusing to even acknowledge that there's a different way of doing things outside of the Latani. Right. Which I think is this is a, it's a commonly discussed point of this book is the man mother's argument they yeah. like they refuse to and to us and to quote it's a scientific fact it's clearly something here but they they just no it's, that's not how it that's works ridiculous. well and we don't have i mean maybe aside from tempe maybe tempe is the only character that comes close to this but we don't have an avienda character who is trying to teach our one of our main characters the way of jito or the way of the latanta or whatever and then also adapting their own beliefs to what they're being introduced right. to. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that back and forth. Right. And and okay. so that's what I'm missing. Okay. And what I would have liked to see it during our time in Edemre. But that being said, this book is it we don't have enough time in any of these places for that much depth. Um especially in the last half of this book, it has felt very much like we kind of discussed with the Forest March where Somebody mentioned it's, that this was written uh, as a as a separate standalone episode, yeah, and then kind of integrated into this book. I feel like everything that happens after he leaves the university fits into that mold, right? It, is, and it, so, it becomes the King Killer's travel log. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So if we think about it that way, he probably wrote all of these stories kind of individually, mm-hmm. and they all have their own kind of little arcs mm-hmm. as you go through. Uh, and there's just not enough time in any any of them to have an avienda the way that you're talking about. I would have appreciated one, but that's sure. just not the way he's writing this book. Yeah, so yeah. It's also one of the challenges you face when we only have one person that we're following. I mean, that's true. In the wheel of time, you've got 
you've got your core group of people with the Matt, Perrin, Rand, Egwene, uh, everyone. Um, it's both. There are tons of characters, and they're very good characters in this story, but we don't care about their perception of pretty much anything. We only follow Quoth's in this, mm -hmm. so. yeah. which means Quoth is the one piece that has to continue on, on and on and on and on. You know, except Denna, she shows up quite a bit. Yeah, but it, we never, but we never actually follow her. It's all Quoth, and that's so. That's yeah, like I you mean, said we, earlier, it's the trap of we do get snippets. We do get snippets in the frame story of Bast and Chronicler, uh, but not nearly enough to make anything like this. Yeah, you know, available and nothing that nothing, none of that will heavily. I say that now, but none of that will heavily affects what is the story Quoth is telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only really affecting the frame story. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, um, well, maybe we move on to one of the other events, unless there was more you wanted to say on that point. That point, no. Okay. Uh, let's so, such as the uh, the the. Sorry. Killing of the fake Rue, was that? Well, are you saying you want to get out of... Yeah, let's get, unless you have something I have else one you more, want to say. I have one more thing to bring up before we bail on that. Okay. Uh, so as both like kind of finishes, I can't remember exactly the part it, it happens in, but Vashet's talking to him and she, and she looks at him after he's accomplished his uh, sword tree test. Yeah. And she talks about, or she says something about there's something troubling inside you. Shane has seen it in your conversations as well. It is not a lack of the Lathan of the Lathani, but this makes me un or makes my unease more, not less. So the point is Bashet and Shane have seen something that unnerves them about Quoth, uh, that is almost deeper rooted than the Lathani. And that that's supposed to be like your guiding principle or right, whatever your baseline and i was wondering if that has something to do with his conversation with the cathay so we touched on the cathay last episode but we didn't really talk a lot about it okay um and bast was like freaking out about the fact that uh Gvoth talked to the cathay and the, the cathay could influence everything going forward and anybody that's talked to the cathay is basically like this uh, an, an arrow shot yeah, you know, and so I'm wondering if the thing that they're sensing that's making them uneasy is something tied to that, or if it's something deeper rooted in Quoth or not. But I just thought I'd bring it up and pick your brains. Uh, I thought let's it, see potential things that Quoth has done or they that could offset that could disturb these people. Um, the blood magic he performed uh, because uh, Tempe Tempe saw that and probably shared that, and so. There's that side of him that might be offsetting them. I do think the Cathay touch could be a big piece of that too. I like, I really like that idea. Um, Kvoth also is there's there's something unique about him and a fire inside of him that I think, especially for a warrior society, mm -hmm. just because you have fire and drive doesn't necessarily mean that you are like that. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it's control and pointing it in the right direction and, and doing that sort of thing. And so they could also be seeing that inside of Quoth is potentially a destructive force with access to more tools than what they're used to. And that really sets them off, like makes them nervous. I also, yeah. And I, I love that interpretation of, or that explanation of it. And my, th my thought was uh, he now has an understanding 
even if it's a base level understanding of the Lathani. And they were talking about, uh, I think, I don't can't remember if it was Vashet or if it was Shayan that asked him, you know, are you trying to learn this to gain power? Because she asked him about the blood magic and about the other things that he can do. And, and she said, well, are you trying to get, are you trying to learn the Lathani to gain power? And he says, no, I just want to learn. I want to have knowledge. And then she talked about knowledge being power. And if Quoth has been influenced by the Cathay, he now has this understanding of the Lathani and how do his actions maybe outside of the Lathani reflect on this, uh, this entire civilization that bases their whole existence on a, a practice that he is now a part of. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So like it can have like that ripple effect of maybe he's not necessarily following the Lathani or acting underneath that. But now that he has been accepted into that culture, anything that he does will reflect on that, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Let's see that. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Cathay, let me bring something up. If you don't mind yeah. me uh, kind of going off on a, a side root here what a tangent nope not really a tangent just uh, a related note i when bast and chronicler are talking about the they and and what this really means and the chronicler is kind of uh he's kind of calling bast out on the logic of uh, how ridiculous this all is uh essentially what it boiled down to was something that we got into at least with the wheel of time and probably with some other series that we've read as well and that's the issue of free will versus determinism yeah and you know we don't have a ton to say about it yet in this series but i imagine that that will be something taken on in book three um how much of what quoth does is determined by his meeting with the Cthay, mm-hmm. and how much of it is his actual choice uh we don't really know the answer to that yet but it it did make me um throw my phone across the room and mock disgust <laughs> i wasn't really but you know i wasn't really mm-hmm. upset about it but it's like another fantasy series that's going to take on determinism versus free will oh boy here we go but i mean it's a it's a live question it's an interesting question so i'm into it mm-hmm. but uh but i was surprised to see it again um what was i gonna say uh oh yeah my favorite Here's a tangent for you, Ken. Okay. My favorite determinism versus free will debate uh, in popular culture is Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, right. Go look it up. <laughs> right. Uh, I think 90% of people who saw it gave it like one star, and I gave it four. I love that movie. <laughs> so, whatever. Anyway, oh boy, am I going to get it on Reddit for that one. Just so you guys know... Uh, Craig gives four stars to anything starring Nicolas Cage. That's actually true. It's <laughs> the thing is, its baseline is at like two stars, and so it just has to be a passable movie to get to knowing, get those other two. No one gets an extra star just for Nicolas Cage's hair. Yes. Yep. Okay. So that we leave. Let's. Are we ready to leave yeah. Ademre? We mm-hmm. go back to Ventus for a bit. Oh, Ryan's holding up a finger. Ryan is holding up a finger. I said, do we want to the talk? middle one? Is that more about? Uh... <laughs> this is, I'm going to teach you some some hand talk here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he gets one. He gets something from Ademre that he hasn't been able to get anywhere else outside of fighting skills, and that is information about the Amir, oh, the Chandrian, and the Chandrian. Right. Um, at the end, you know, he's talking to Shay, and he's, she's like. You know, this is something that we don't talk about. We don't share this at all, but we have it. And we get the names of all of seven or six of the seven of the um, Chandrian and what their individual markers are. 
Cyphus, Blair, uh, Cyphus bears the blue flame. Sturcus is in the thrall of iron. Ferul, Chill, and Dark of Eye. Usnea lives in nothing but decay. Grey Talcenti never speaks. Pale Alenta brings the blight. Last there is the Lord of Seven. Hated, hopeless, sleepless, sane. Alaxel bears the shadow's hame. So in this little section here, we now know how to identify when a witch of the Chandrian and is nearby based on these symbols. Mm -hmm. Like the blue flame is is Cyphus. Like so we know, okay. We and may not be dealing Cyphus with Cyphus is the name of Is that Cinder? Is it Cinder? Cinder. Yeah, okay. Um that and Alaxel would be um Aliax. Aliax, yeah. yeah. And then but, we also find out that they've they've apparently Voldemorted their names so that if you speak it, you're you're kinda it's kinda like uh lighting a little beacon fire mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. for a moment. And so it's what what does it say? Like if you do it once, if you do it's it not once, that it's big, no big deal. deal but... Uh if you do it a bunch, then they're able to find you and they're, that's how they, they found can triangulate you. Yeah. Exactly. So uh yeah, do is there anything to say on that? I, I'm sure this is the sort of thing that's fodder for rereads. Like you, mm -hmm. you keep this note next to your book as you reread both of the books and and find little tidbits. I'm not sure that we're well, dedicated enough to have done that yet. What I feel like the whole purpose of Quoth's missions here, what he has stated, is that it's to become part of the Amir, discover them, become part of that to fight the Chandrian and get revenge for his family's murder, right? So anytime we get information about that, I feel like we're progressing the plot line that we have pretty much been dancing around the entirety of our time with Faluri. And I mean, every time he goes somewhere, he's he's trying to get that information, but we don't get a whole lot until this time. Like, mm -hmm. he just hit a the mother load of information up to this point right. about the Chandrian. And on top of that, we also have the Lackless Door, which is the other like riddle piece that he's been given in the last little while to figure out. So the door or the box, you mean? No. So, so the box, well, they mentioned the door also, but I mean, he actually gets hands on the box. Oh, do you mean the, the, the lockless door in the university? What I, did I miss something? There's a door called the lackless door. Right. Um, I remember that, which the next book is called the walls the doors of, stone, of stone, the doors of stone, which I believe that's this is what it's referencing. So, there. Yeah, so I think it was Codicus. He was talking to Codicus, and he was they were talking when he was pretending to do his whole like, I'm getting I'm getting for family them. histories oh, yeah, yeah. of these people uh, or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Codicus was talking about how the Lackless family is one of the oldest families in existence, and that on, uh, like they used to have all this land, and it's been taken away and divided right. up or whatever. But on in some of the ancient Lackless land, there's a door. That can't be opened and then there's also a lackless heirloom that they have uh, and we know that the heirloom is the actual box that the mayor has uh, that they can't open as well but uh, what Quoth hasn't really put together and this is kind of one of those theories that are out there is that the door that they're talking about the ancient lackless door is actually the door that's in the archives that has no opening um, because we don't, right. I mean, it's not described as what the ancient lackless lands are and what they would have covered. I mean, it could very easily be part of the, where the university is built now. Mm -hmm. um, and so the theory is that they're inside the heirloom box is the keys to that door. Oh, nice. And going through that door. Cause like he talks to the Cathay and the Cathay tells him he needs to stick close to the mayor because the mayor has stumbled upon something that brings him close to the Amir, even though the mayor doesn't know about it yet. 
and which the he I- then immediately does. Yeah, and do. the idea is yeah. that going through that door in the archives leads you to the Amir. Uh, and so in order to get through the door, you have to find the key. And- right. Uh, oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Uh, it doesn't matter. Boy, that fled my mind quickly. Wow. Um, shoot. What was I going to say? I feel like it was important. All right. Somebody else go on. I'll, I'll think of it later. Well, I wonder. I yes. I don't know. I I'm I'm just I'm not sure that the, the lackless the whole blow up at at uh, the lackless at uh, Melu and lackless and and the mayor it felt I I saw what what Rothfuss was trying to do is like you know rue pride runs deep and all of that and you're you're besmirching my people and my family and everything and and I'm going to defend my family's honor but it felt very like okay it's time for you to leave the city and return to the university. And this is the way we're going to do it by contriving this blow up at the mayor that forces you out. Uh, no, I disagree heartily with that assessment. Okay. But you're wrong. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, no, because it's well set up. He has the dinner with Melo and Lackless where right. she, uh, talks about how much she hates the Rue. And then also there are strong hints to the point of, we know that this is the case that her sister is Quoth's mother. Right. Right. Um, and so it doesn't feel contrived to me. This is an integral part of the story. The fact that she hates the Rue. There's something that happened probably beyond the fact that her sister ran off with them. There is something that we will learn about in book three. I agree. That, uh, I, and contrived might have been the wrong word. I just it felt Well, then very, what are you talking about, it, it Ken? Felt Don't very, just backtrack. Own your stuff. Okay, shut your mouth for a second and I will. It, it, it feels very pinpoint, I should say, because in the in the beginning when he meets Melu and Lackless and she goes off about I hate Rue and everything about him, he's kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. But and he kind of puts it away. And this time she comes back and, you know, goes goes at them again. And instead of saying, okay, I can for the for the good of staying here and continuing my research and continuing all of this stuff i will let that go as as abhorrent as it is to me and instead he just he blows up and basically torches every single bridge with the mayor and you know just because it felt like he had to at this moment it's time to go back to the university that's i i that's what it feels i see what you're saying i'm not saying that's why i'm saying contrived is the wrong word i think it just it felt very where Over where I push back on that is that he had he just returned from his adventure where he rescues the two girls from the false Edimaru. Right. Uh, that was, I, I'm sure, a formative experience. This is, uh, yeah. you know, he he hunts down what was it nine men and women yes. and slaughters them in cold blood. Uh, you know, in vengeance in vengeance, vengeance kills for, yeah, yeah for this thing this thing that they did against the Edimaru, this sure. thing that you are not to do. And, and so he's got that already on the tip of his brain and he, his blood is boiling already. Yeah. And then the mayor's wife brings it up again. Yeah, um, I, and I can abide that. You know. That's absolutely. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. He also, in that one sense. No, you're, you're not wrong. I can abide that. He also doesn't blow up immediately. He says they were not Rue and kind of leaves it at that. And then when she keeps pushing the matter, that's when he blows up. That's right. true. Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm a big enough man to admit when... It's really funny that uh, ultimately Quoth is the one that, uh, like, what's the uh, wooed Melo and Lackless? Right. Right? And so the fact that she is so appalled that Aru... And she knows it. Yeah, lured her sister away. And now she knows that the person that actually helped the mayor 
have his her fall in love well. with him is yeah. Rue. Like that just adds fuel to the fire. I will. I'd throw five dollars down on the table that says that she was also falling in love with Kavos father. Oh, nice. At the time, nice. And yeah. When felt spurned and mm-hmm. and everything, and so to be to fall twice for Rue's words adds extra fuel to yeah. the to the hatred. I like that. But that will be what allows Kavos later on. Uh, being an heir and bloodline of the Lackless to be able to open the box and go through the door because it's it's going to be something connected to the bloodline of the Lackless. I yeah. feel like we're really dipping into our next episode already. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, but I point being, I have more that I want to say about that. Not about necessarily the theory itself, but theories in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll save yeah. it. I'll save it for the next episode. I'm trying hard I not love to that say theory, though. I hadn't thought of that. That's perfect. Um, you're you're probably it, like we say with Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, you're probably right, and you're probably wrong until we read it exactly. Um, so okay, the I remember something that I was going to ask earlier. Uh, speaking of Melo and Lackless, she has the Lackless box, and it's this wonderful puzzle that he's trying to solve. And uh, let me ask you guys a question. You are a logical person with certain information and you're wondering what's in this box. At what point do you just hack the freaking thing open? So how strong, and I'm speaking for us individually, how strong is the pull of tradition versus, uh, you know, the, the, the solving of the mystery or whatever? Uh, because myself, I don't know. If I, I was sitting there thinking like we have been in this conversation, if I'm going, oh, you know what? I wonder if it's the key. I wonder if it's yeah. the key to the lackless door. Um, if the I, box I'm, itself is the key. Right. Yeah. Like I'm getting in there. This. I, I, I would really want to bust it open remind myself. Me, I don't but, remember off the top of my head. Is there any ex- explanation as to why we can't just he, crack it open? He brings yeah, it up, doesn't he? Well, the, so the box has no... There's obviously something inside, mm-hmm. but it has no, no. seam, no mm-hmm. hinge, sure. nothing. You can't open it that way, but, but is he, there a reason why I can't just go and smash it with it, a... That's, yeah. It no, seems there's like there's no, no, there's no explanation. Only there's tradition. Same. Yeah, that was that was the reason. When okay. he brings it up, she she kind of like her face goes pale, and mm-hmm. she's like, "No, nobody okay, would ever do that. do that." Exactly. Yeah, well, it say, says the, that. he says that whatever's inside is most likely glass or stone, and so there might be risk of damaging something that's inside by doing that. We have our Da Vinci that. Code cryptex going on. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. The Yellish it's cryptex. Got the, just what was it? Vinegar, yeah. vinegar and vellum, or whatever it was. A P P L E. That'll get you in. Okay, so I would smash the box. Smash the box. Okay, is or not it, smash the box. Cut the take it to the take it to Kilvin's thing, and you know find something to cut. He can blowtorch that thing open. Yeah. Come on. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. We get so he leaves. Uh, Vintus, hey, get out of here, Kvoth. Get out of here, cat. You stink. And he takes his um his take your dirty rue blood with you. And here's a note for you yeah. Know, takes tuition his forever. notes. Yeah, his tuition's paid for. He goes back to the university, and he has a few pages worth of. Uh, adventures at the Sorry. university, including a moment with Elodin that I thought was very, very interesting. Uh, he's sitting with Elodin and they're chatting, and he says, uh, "Master Elodin, what would you say if you found out that somebody had somebody keeps changing their name?" And he loses his ish, <laughs> right? And he's like, "Are you talking about Fella? Has she did she change her name?" And he's like, "No, no, no. It's it's somebody else I know. She goes by this, and then she goes by that." And he kind of, oh. You mean her, I think it's her calling name is what he, he calls it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean her calling name. And he's like, oh, who cares about that? 
uh, I found this very interesting and it lends some credence to ideas that we were talking about earlier with did did Quoth's name change mm-hmm. and this is why he is unable to uh, why, why he is arcanely impotent now as coach Sym- sympathetic the in- impotence the, uh, in- that's right sympathetic inf- yeah, I remember that um, anyway so are there any other thoughts on this or is this just kind of confirmation of that sort of thing he must have somehow changed his name or had his name changed by someone else I think it's an interesting theory I know we're not delving into theories but and I, I'm not trying to delve too deeply into this one but I, I think it lends credence to what we talked about earlier and I know it's a, a theory out there because of what he says to Denna uh, before they have their big blow up fight about, uh, you know, I swear my, by my good left hand and I won't play music or whatever. If mm-hmm. so, strike me down if I ever try to look for your patron again or whatever. And uh, maybe it has something to do with that. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I mean, I think it just speaks to the implications of actually changing your name. But I also wonder because he got a new name while he was in Ademre as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they gave him a name. And how does that how does that fit name into the fit picture? Into and I mean, I guess. What did it, his name mean again? Was uh, it like old cheese or something like something that? Something like Madra. It's uh, I can't remember. But he, remember. Swiss for mother. I don't know. Um, but it's you got to wonder how that fits into this name. But also, what the what is the difference between a true name and a calling name, and what distinguishes one versus the other? You know, so Quoth is would be technically his calling name, but does that what does that mean because like well there's the moment in tarbian when uh scarpy says his name and and if i recall correctly you guys told me that he didn't know this kid's name before he just says like quoth run or something like i can't remember why did, exactly why didn't what you it was. run quoth um yeah. and and so it could be that quoth it could does be. have, or it is at least some part of guess, his true name. Yeah, I guess I wonder what the difference is because I don't, at least on the surface level, and we haven't, we haven't been explained it yet unless I missed it, I don't see the difference between Quoth calling himself Quoth or Coat in the frame story than Denna calling herself Denna or Diana, Di- Diana, yeah, Diana, Diana or whatever. Yeah. No, it, totally. You know, so where is the distinction that makes that? A true name or a well if know, i can quote it, me and ryan from our mistborn series wait until book three <laughs> right uh i think it's a, so i i went and looked up the edemic meaning of his name Maedre or however you pronounce Maedre. it Maedre. um it's flame and thunder and broken tree is oh, what yeah, it yeah. is there but just looking through his other names i mean these are the the different ones that we have listed here some of them have been explained fairly well. Others haven't yet. But I've, it's funny that um, the name Coat in multiple, like, has a very similar meaning in multiple language. It's uh, things like disaster or pointless or things like that. I that that's interesting that he took upon wait in in real world languages. In Siaru, Coat means disaster. Oh, oh, in in Siaru. Albanian, okay. so in world languages. Well. In in-world language, in Ciaro means disaster, but in like real our world Haitian, like it's where, and in Albanian it means pointless and things like that. So like, this has a real-world translation as okay. well. Uh, interesting. I suppose a sound like coat is going to have a lot of translations around the world. That's going to be a pretty common sure. word. But uh, to have it have relatively similar meanings, sure, I think is indicative of something. Okay. 
Is the naming thing going to matter that he changes the name of his sword, by the way? I mean, well, they, we don't know that that's the same sword. Well, no, but he, he calls it a different name almost immediately after he gets oh, his, like, I your see. sword's yeah. name is this. No, it's not. It's this. I thought you meant the one hanging in the inn. Which I, um, I don't think is the same sword, by right. the way, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what that means. That, to me, that just felt more like a sign of uh, A. It felt more his, like a performer thing to me, but I don't know if, it, well, if it's significant. For me, it was more along the lines of his sleeping mind that whole thing where he understands the name of this sword maybe better than the Ademre do. Um. And also uh, a little dash of disrespect uh, <laughs> as is Quoth's want, I suppose. His guiding star. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's a good call. Okay. 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 I personally, I'm sure that it's supposed to be, have this feel of honor and everything, but I thought it was really stupid. He had to memorize and recite the entire oh history of the sword. 2,000 years worth of sword names. This person worth had of it, sword and then people. they, who did this, and then they died. It's kind of like the car facts for his sword. <laughs> yeah. Like, show, show me the sword facts. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, now I can't think of anything else. Sword. Dang it, Kyle. Three owners. <laughs> this, you know, it's the does, history of all the oil sword changes it's had. Newly refurbished. Original pommel or no? Yeah. <laughs> This sword has this. This sword's two hundred thousand miles Airbags on have it. never deployed. Uh, okay, jeez, Louise. All right, let's. Uh, here's the thing. We're about ten minutes out from our hour mark, and uh, and I don't want to belabor too much, especially as we get into like fan theories, because like I've mentioned, we do have another episode coming up. So, if it's not a fan theory, or our own theory, I guess I should say. Does anybody have anything else from these sections that we want to bring up before we kind of get into final thoughts on on how we enjoyed our readings? Um, any other specific bullet points that you guys want to get to? I've got a uh, couple maybe around like the university or quick, something. Quick random ones. Yeah. Uh, Quoth is now financially stable thanks That's, to the mayor yep. and also his arrow catch sales, which has yes, now the been bloodless. renamed to the bloodless. I really, I really enjoyed which that. Is really passage. cool. That was a nice surprise. Uh, but yeah, so it should be interesting because up until this point. It's basically just been a recurring Groundhog Day nightmare that both has to find out how he's going to pay people right. money, and that's it. And now he should not have that struggle, and so maybe we can get to some other And even though struggles. he's financially stable, he still runs a grift on the <laughs> university <laughs> on the anyway. <laughs> Is he running it on the university? Is he running or it on, on the, the mayor? mayor. Yeah. yeah. Kind it's of like both. kind of a final well, F you to yeah, the mayor. Yeah, both, right? Because yeah. he's... He works out the con with the guy in the bursar's office, right? So that he his tuition is never more than ten talents, right? Right. Isn't that how it works? Like, he said. He says, "I have never had a tuition more than ten talents." So when so, I come in yeah. with a higher tuition on purpose, right? You know, you can you can kick me back some of the scratch, yeah. and you can keep half of it, and you can keep the rest. Yeah. Oh, and uh, a la Harry Potter six, uh, Professor Snape is now headmaster. Right. Uh, whatever his name is. Him. Yeah. Emma. So. Whatever. And uh, he pays off what's her name. And so she's really sad that he's not going to come visit anymore. But I bet he does. I, well, I mean, for some sweet, sweet loving. Exactly. Because he sure. is all about it. She'll be part of Dumbledore's army. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. And he gets Dennis ring back, which is kind oh, yeah. of the way that they make up, sort of. We, Until he uh, profess, uh, professes his undying love. How about that? Yeah. He he goes to Tarbian and she just happens to show up yet again. And... and is suffoc- yeah, yeah. Tarbian. Tarbian. <laughs> and and he's suffocating she's suffocating and he says the seven words and that's all that it takes and now she's his again and 
I don't know. I, I gotta say, I, talk me down because I just rolled my eyes and went whatever. Uh, no, I'm I'm actually Ken. Buckle your seatbelts. Oh, I'm with you. Oh dear. Yeah. Check the windows. I actually, I think, I love the seven words to make someone fall in love with you concept because the words have been different every time he's had to say them. That is true. And it's it's very much a matter of the moment, the person knowing them. It's not seven magic words that you say and all of a sudden the, the personality changes. It's saying the right thing in the right moment to that person. I've I've really I really like those things because they aren't the words he says. I need you to breathe. Something like that. Yeah. I need you to, I need you to breathe right like now. That. Right. Something. something like that. It's very simple and it's what needs to be said in the moment. And she just recognizes it. Seven words and. That was a cool thing too, because it was a callback to the name of the wind when Abanthe calls the wind to like help both breathe again. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, remember when he like freaks out? But anyway, yeah, when he attaches his breath to the wind and all of a sudden it's gone, it's like, uh, oops. Uh, it, it feels like at the end of book two, it feels like he's wrapping up old threads and getting ready for a whole bunch of new info dump in book three. We'll we'll get into book three stuff later, and I'm yeah. sure I'll say this again later, but. Um, uh, but boy, does he have a lot of ground to cover. He sure does. Um, to to your point, Ken. Uh, but uh, back to our real quick fire bullet points. Here's one for you. One last thing that I forgot to mention about how the Edemre are the Aiel. And that is the way that Rothfuss describes fighting. You have phrases oh, yeah. like, phrases. Uh, like Sparrow strikes the hawk is some sort of move in mm-hmm. their thing. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if Robert Jordan was the first to do this. He's the first that I know of, and it's probably derived from, I, my guess would be like Eastern cultures. That's what I would guess too. Some, phrases to a, name moves. Is that a thing? It's a real thing. To, okay. Katas and forms have names when you do them, and that's that's been thousands of years that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. Okay. My understanding was that those were more for like long forms and not single moves but i don't i don't know for sure you know i can still do one of those ryan and i ryan and i were in the (laughs) same dojo for like two months when we were 14 i want to (laughs) say something like that and i learned i I I tried to bring craig in oh man because he kept fighting like we would always all we did was fight like on the trampoline and stuff like that and so i was like maybe he'll learn some control with this one (laughs) oh please (laughs) control a regular Orokusaki. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, but yeah, I still, I can still do one of those things. Um, anyway, yeah, I kind of got almost kicked out my first week when I uh, punched a 50-year-old man in the side of the head. Oh my gosh. So anyway, uh, I didn't know the rules. He's they just said, here's issues. this guy, and then he came after me. So I punched him. What do you want? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh are we are we good on bullet points? Because I want to get to final thoughts. By the way, the name of the names of the Katan are why I thought the I, I always pictured the uh the Edemre as as Eastern, which I guess I mean they are fair skinned and blonde and all of that, but in the same way that the Aiel are Irish. Yeah. I just I pictured I don't know, I pictured the Aiel as Native American or you know, something to that effect, and I pictured the Edemre as, as Japanese, but I'm wrong on both. It doesn't matter. Kyle, yep. you look anyway. like you're about to say something. Uh, I have probably a little bit longer than a final thought, but it can count as my final thought. Okay. I wanted to read. Okay, final thoughts, everybody. Yep. I wanted to read the book quote, the book cover quote. Oh boy, from, from... Brandon Sanderson. Okay, this uh, is for this because... is for um, 
uh, Wise Man's Fear. Or Wise Man's Fear. He's talking about this book, because, not Name of the Wind. Because we're such huge Sanderson's fan, Sanderson sure. fans here. I found it oh, to are. be a little bit contrary to your comments oh, on I'm... the book so far. Okay. So, here we go. The Wise Man's Fear is a beautiful, all caps, book to read. Masterful prose, a sense of cohesion to the storytelling, a wonderful sense of pacing. None of that is the reason the awesome, none of that is the reason for the awesomeness any more than a single dab of paint is the reason why a Monet is a thing of wonder. But if you step back, you are left with a sense of awe. There is a beauty to Pat's writing that defies description. Okay. All right. My favorite is his response because they traded for books. Uh, and yeah. Rothfuss's response was I liked it. What more <laughs> what do else I say? What else is there to say? Uh yeah. Yeah, so he, gosh, uh, no, I don't want to get into that. We can talk about that later. <laughs> the, he he the, basically calls Patrick Rothfuss a stoneward because he uses cohesion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah, where I thought it was interesting because I feel like this is somewhat contrary to some of our comments here. Uh, and that's fine. Everybody sense of cohesion has... to storytelling, a wonderful sense of pacing. I don't necessarily have a problem with the pacing. That's uh, and I, And the thing about what I was saying earlier is that it's not a complaint per se. Um, I'm, I was pointing out what I thought was uh, a feature of this section uh, what I'm not saying is, Oh, I really wish that he had X uh, done X, Y, or Z. That's not like, someday. Craig. If, if I had written a book, I would have written it differently. I'm not wishing that Patrick Rothfuss had written it the way that I wanted it. Someday, Craig, you're, you're going to realize your personality doesn't allow you to have observations. You only have opinions. That's the, that's the way that it, it comes across. You only have opinions. You can't have an observation. I can't have an observation? It's, that doesn't, it doesn't work. What? Oh, man. I almost said something <laughs> awful to you. I almost said something really terrible. I I'm not saying this. It, I'm, that's not a criticism of you. It's simply, oh, bite no. me in the goat ass. It's not a criticism of you. I'm saying... That's the way that it comes across. Is that it's you know it's an opinion. If there's one thing I know about you is that you can't have observations of me. You can only have opinions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see what you're saying, and I don't care. Um, Anyways, it's fine. You can take it however up. you want. Uh, what you really thought I was complaining about it, just by bringing it up? No, I'm. I'm just saying that's a. This is a common occurrence. This is legendarium talk here. Okay, here we go. Let's hey, pull back the curtains. No, everybody go to Reddit. I feel and like leave we... leave a comment on whether you think that Craig comes off as extremely opinionated or if he can have observations. Let's I'm not saying the... that I'm not extremely opinionated. Of course I am. You that's just, like my defining very... characteristic. That's what Ryan's saying. Yeah, but, but I'm saying, so you. it defines you. Cannot you're saying no. I cannot have. This I think what he's saying is it's it defines you so much that even if you're trying to just state something as an observation, you have it to comes break off, through. It comes off as your opinion. I feel and like we've turned it around. Comes off almost as a very strong opinion. I feel yeah. like we've turned around and arrived in 1998. Uh, Ken, what are you talking about? I'm talking about it. Feels like this goes way back. To oh, when you guys were like. 14 and stuff no, it's simply it's it's like providing a a, sur- a warning beforehand like this isn't a this is not an opinion this is an observation like you almost have to do that for someone to not think it's your opinion originally that's all i'm saying okay it's literally a point you've made before that i'm agreeing with like oh okay so <laughs> i still want to see what people on reddit say 
jeez. Oh, I just like I'm filled. We just with, I'm up filled a roast with me on such, Reddit for like. For, <laughs> I, I'm filled with such rage at the moment mm. that I just I I'm feeling very violent, violently inclined toward the rest of the room at we the need, moment. We need boxing gloves in here. Oh man, it would not end well. <laughs> Boppets, you know. Uh, okay. Sorry, I brought it up. No, I'm not sorry you brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up. I just hate Ryan. I hate him so much. <laughs> okay. I'm glad it's you this Final time. Final thoughts, Ken. How did you like Wise Man's Fear and the series in general so far? Um, it's it's engaged me. I'm ready for book four, uh, three someday. <laughs> um, I hope you're ready for book four because it's coming. I am ready for book four someday. Okay. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I, I got nothing else. Okay. Ryan, final thoughts? Uh... This is an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable book. It's well-written. There's a lot here. If you're new to fantasy, this is not what I would recommend for you first off uh, because it's going to give you a very different feel, not because it's bad or because it's not something you could enjoy. It's, you're not going to get this in other fantasy literature in the same way. Um, And I think that there are some other things you could read first to give you a better idea for the genre as a whole rather than it being painted this way because you'll either leave this and love this and go, Nothing else is as prose beautiful as this is or, or, or poetry beautiful as this has been um, and be upset by it. Um, right. So if you read this first, you'll either hate fantasy forever or nothing else will stack up if you try to read other fantasy stuff. Or you're going to say that I, I don't like fantasy because I don't like reading something like the, you know, the, right. this. And yeah. when in reality, there is so much variety to the fantasy uh, genre that I would hate for a, a newcomer to... Or someone who's giving it a, a, a try to be, to have that painted as their first experience. Yeah. Okay. So great book. Not one I'd recommend for a first experience. Okay. Yeah, that's a good call. I get it. When, uh, gosh, this must have been, when was this published? 2007, I want to say. 2011, I think. Sure. Yeah, this oh, one this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, when was the name of the wind? Uh, 2007, okay. I believe. So I think when that one came out, it really made a big splash right away. And my family actually had, we had a short-lived family book club and we would read a book a month and talk about it as a family and um it it was a thing that happened 10 years ago and we which did is what this inspired one. the legendarium I imagine. sure we did this one and i remember finishing the name of the wind and we had this book club and and all my siblings and my dad didn't participate but my mom did and they were all gushing over this book and and really just like how could anybody you know not see this as like sanderson says a monet basically mm-hmm. um and I remember coming out of it going, yeah, that was fun, but I don't, I don't see the thing that everybody is seeing. And uh, this was before I was bef- before we started the legendarium, which kind of turned on all the you know all the gears in my brain as I am reading and watching all this media. And Ryan, you've complained about that before. Uh, you know, we, too bad we can't just enjoy stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this was before all that. And even then, it, before I necessarily had the time or the inclination to think about it, I was like, uh, it was good. I enjoyed my time with it. I'm glad it was written. I'm glad I read it. But that's about it. Um, and I'm, I kind of still feel that way to a lesser degree now. Uh, I, I have a better appreciation now for what Rothfuss has done with these two books, uh, but I still kind of feel like, you know, why why is it that it inspires such uh, passion, such fervor in people? I'm not sure I get that. Um, 
but you know, it, it ultimately just comes down to taste, personal taste, and there's no accounting for that, as they say. And so, I guess that's as far as I would, uh, as far as I would go with that. It's just a personal taste thing where it wasn't quite, wasn't quite up my alley in some way or another. But if somebody else said, I absolutely loved this book and here are all these reasons why, I would say, you're right. Those Respect. are great reasons to love this book. So I, I don't know where that puts me on this one. Um, eight out of 10 would recommend, uh, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, I, I think I'm eight along. Eight and two thirds. Eight and two thirds. <laughs> eight and two thirds. That's what somebody said about us on iTunes. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I think I'm largely with you, Ryan, on that point. Uh wouldn't recommend it to a first timer necessarily unless it was a very specific scenario, I guess. Yeah. Like um, a masterpiece or whatever. If you take someone to see a Monet to see something like that, pretty picture. That's what you're going to get the first time until they learn yeah. the a little more about it. So we can't say Monet any more times without me mentioning that I got to walk that pond the last time my wife and I were in France. It was lovely. Oh, you've been to France? Really? <laughs> Are you happy that France won the World Cup? Yeah, oh, yeah. Remember that, hey. remember that maiden Cup? hand talk I showed you earlier? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Craig so, has learned it very well. I was I was there in, I lived there in 2006 when they played Italy and lost in the finals. Uh, so, yeah, it was nice for them to take it this time. Anyway, maybe that's a cue. If we're on to the World Cup, maybe yep. we're done talking about uh, King Killer Chronicles. I know I am. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited for one last episode. Well, oh, gosh, okay, two last episodes. Because we'll do, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll do a... Slow regard for silent things? Well, no, no that's, that's going to be sometime down the road. Okay. I don't know when. Well, there's slow regard, and there's one other one. What's it called? Um, I can't remember I the name of it off Slower the top of regard. The, the Chronicles <laughs> of the Bast. I don't know. No, because yeah. one of them's uh, the girl. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, one of them. Ari, Ari, that's Ari. Slow, Ari regard. slow regard. Ari, slow regard. And then the other one, that's the Bast. Sorry. So, yes, we'll do those Chronicles. at some point. But what I'm talking about in a couple of weeks is kind of fan reactions, mm. um, the the story of the King Killer Chronicles outside the story of the King Killer. It's like Chronicles. the VH1 behind the music. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit. Not that we'll have any um, l new light to shed on that. Of course we won't. Uh, but we'll have our opinions to share. And uh, Pache Ryan, mine is gold. So I'm gonna give it. What? Did you have a stroke? I don't <laughs> really understand what you just said. How many languages did you just say that in? <laughs> Nobody knows the word pache. A really? Pache? I, I recognize the word, but Good I'm not Lord, sure. You guys need to read. Isn't that the guy on Emperor's New Groove? Oh, one my of the two main characters. <laughs> you definitely were in France for a while. It's not French, a-holes. I'm not saying that is French, but was you're just pache, snooty I... and uppity. <laughs> <laughs> just like a Frenchman. <laughs> Yeah, to all of our French listeners, sorry about <laughs> Kyle. No, nah, this is America. Well, I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess my point is, thanks everybody for listening, I guess. Stay around a little longer. We'll offend a few more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. We, we really got to go before We're coming for somebody you, Sweden. says something worse. Um, yeah, so we will do two more King Killer episodes. One of them will come soon. The other one will come later. Uh, kind of like New Spring. Yeah, we'll get to that at some point. We'll get to Slow Regard and the other one at some point. So uh, let's cut and run. Thanks for listening. Go to patreon.com slash legendarium. Go to thelegendarium.reddit.com. Go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
you don't have to find us there, but you should just go there anyway, because everybody else does and, and do stuff. And we'll call it good. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you for Gentleman Bastard and some other stuff coming up soon. Have a good one.